health-related quality of life, teaching it and using it. You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a ReachMD special series, Exploring Health Education. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and joining me is Dr. Melanie Calvert, a research fellow at the University of Birmingham in Birmingham, England. Dr. Calvert is a PhD biochemist, has worked with clinicians and industry and academics in researching the role that quality of life plays in assessing patient outcomes and health policy decision-making. Today, we're going to be talking about health-related quality of life, how you teach it, and how you use it. Dr. Calvert, welcome. Thank you. Before we get into your recent work and your recent publication, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your own background and how you got from biochemistry to looking at quality of life. Well, I've always been interested in healthcare and my PhD was focusing on cardiac muscle regulation. I then took a job working on clinical trials and epidemiology at the University of Birmingham, which I've been doing for about the last seven years. My interest in quality of life really stemmed from some work on cardiac resynchronization therapy and my role in trials looking at this new device. In that role, I was able to assess the quality of life of patients with heart failure and look how heart failure influences their ability to do things. And from that trial, we were also able to assess the impact of the device on quality of life and later take that forward for cost-effectiveness analysis. Well, we're going to be banding about this term, uh, health-related quality of life. I suspect this is difficult, but how would you define health-related quality of life and why is it important that we go about measuring it? It's quite difficult to define. It's a very subjective measure. I think really you could define it as the way that the disease or the treatment impacts on the way that people are able to go about their daily activities, the way they would be able to interact with their family and friends, whether they're anxious or in pain, and all of those sort of concepts come together to form the patient's quality of life. Does it have implications for a system, your system in particular, with respect to health policy decision? Yes, it does. In the UK, we have the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, which brings together evidence about medicines and devices and they appraise the evidence based on usually quality-adjusted life years and and the cost per quality. And so in the UK, quality of life does play an important part in reimbursement decisions. This past January, your team published an article called The Need for Education on Health-Related Quality of Life. Could you tell us a little bit how you thought about that research when you were first putting it together and and what kind of methods you thought would be appropriate and why you thought that? The paper basically is describing the work developing a course for undergraduate students at the University of Birmingham. Previously, there wasn't any real sessions taught to these students on quality of life and we wanted to develop a new course and to appraise how the students found the course and to try and develop it for, for future years. So this piece of work really is describing that, that course development and, and how it progressed and how we now deliver it. Were you starting from scratch with the course or was there something existent that you just modified for the purpose of this research? We essentially started from scratch. I did have a few sessions that I taught to master's students, but they were 
were a little different and I'd also got some work that I developed for clinicians as I've done some sort of seminars and things for clinicians and advisory panels for industry. So I had some sort of some sort of material together for that. But essentially starting really from scratch, thinking about what the needs of the students would be, what their background knowledge was and what I felt the key concepts were that they might need to know about quality of life to give them a broad perspective really. And in the course of teaching this. Could you tell us a little bit about how many students, how much exposure they had, how many hours, how long this all went on before you started pulling your results together? Okay, so we started teaching the course in 2003 and it's offered annually and it's to second year medical students and it's a special study module so Students are offered about, well, I think it's probably about 20 or 30 different options within the medical school. So the idea is that you have a smaller group of students to focus on a a topic that interests them. So since then, we've offered it to 12 students each year so that we had that small group and could discuss topics in depth. They get 10 hours of teaching. Some of that is didactic teaching, but the majority of it is task-based learning where we give them a series of tasks, they go off in small groups, discuss it, and then feed back to the rest of the group, and I facilitate, or one of my colleagues facilitates the discussion. They then have, they go off and do independent study, because in the UK, special study modules are really designed partly to promote self-directed learning and develop broader skills that they can use throughout their career, so appraising evidence, being able to go off and search the literature appropriately, bring back evidence and, and write an essay on a topic that interests them. And then they also have to give a presentation on on their findings as well. If you're new to our channel, you're listening to a special series exploring health education on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. Melanie Calvert. We're talking about health-related quality of life, teaching it and using it. So, Melanie, you've described a little bit to us about how the study was put together, what the course looked like, and how it was delivered. Did you teach it, the course? I taught quite a lot of the sessions, but we also got in, I got in colleagues from the university. So we also had an oncology research nurse who works with the Cancer Clinical Trials Unit at our local hospital, and also a professor of health economics who also does work with the NICE Appraisals Committee, so making these health policy decisions. So he could give that sort of perspective. We've also had a variety of other speakers on the course. What were the results of the study? We questioned each of the students that did the course. They each had a formal questionnaire. They all felt that the course was very enjoyable. They all seemed to feel that the learning outcomes had been met and that they were able to sort of understand the key concepts about quality of life. Um, The students explored a variety of topics as well and they they talked about the advantages of being able to do that um, and felt it was very beneficial to give the broad overview of quality of life and then to be able to go off and explore a topic that was of interest to them. Any surprises or were you pretty sure this was how it was going to go anyway? I guess I was quite surprised how positive every single student was. They all seemed to really enjoy it and feedback was all very positive which which was a little surprising because I thought that there, there might be more you know with a new course that I did expect perhaps you know a few more comments a few more things to change but we are continuing to change it and modify it anyway each year. Assume then that you believe as a result of this effort that quality of life research is a useful educational piece for medical students and that you would stand behind that in the curriculum? I would do, yes. I I think it's important that the students get to understand how 
how policy decisions are made and doing courses such as this will give them the real background information about that. But it also allows them the chance to explore in detail how a particular patient group or their quality of life may be affected by a disease and to get a bit more understanding of the patient's perspective, which I think is important. Have you had any feedback from your peers or let's say maybe your clinical colleagues about this research? Obviously, people think there's a lot of things that should be taught in medical school. And does everybody agree? Have you had feedback after this paper was published? Certainly, the clinicians I work with at the university are very positive about this course. And following the the introduction of this special study module, we were also asked to do some teaching to the clinicians locally, so within the Midlands area of, of the UK. So I think that in itself speaks volumes, the fact that the clinicians are wanting similar sorts of courses, but obviously tailored more for them. So I think, yeah, they're There is an acceptance. Whether they would accept it as a core part of the curriculum yet, I don't think so really, but perhaps in the future. If you're new to our channel, you're listening to a special series exploring health education on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. Melanie Calvert. We're talking about health-related quality of life, teaching it and using it. Do you sense, Melanie, that there are areas of medicine where this is more appropriate or maybe should be focused on first versus other areas of clinical medicine? You mentioned you had an oncology nurse there. I wonder if that lent itself to this sort of instrument. I think that any sort of chronic disease area, certainly trials in chronic disease, I would certainly consider using a quality of life instrument. So the heart failure trial that I was involved with, it was, you know, it seemed very appropriate to measure quality of life. Cancer trials, particularly with chemotherapy and, and things which might have side effects that could lead to poor quality of life. If we're able, something that I'd like to see in the future is that the results from trials and particularly quality of life assessments are fed back to patients so that they're able to might aid them make their decisions on which treatment to go for. So if we can say this chemotherapy, for example, it may increase survival by a short amount, but these are the impacts that it may have on your quality of life. I think that sort of information can be important to help patients make decisions about treatments. It's your sense that routinely the quality of life measurements might not be shared in the same way that survival numbers, months or years are shared? Possibly not. I mean, I think that the results get published in the main or major medical journals. How much clinicians then take that forward and share it with the patients at this moment, I'm, I'm not sure. It's certainly something we're looking at doing in Birmingham and I'm working on with a colleague as how to share the results from cancer trials, particularly on quality of life and survival, to the cancer patients, to future cancer patients. Any other research in the future for you or your team or group? Any other things you're working on you can share with us? We're continuing to work on a variety of trials which do have quality of life measures. I think for me the the core one is how to share the results with the patients and how it can not only help health policy but how it can help the patient too really. Any parting message to our clinician listeners out there with respect to health-related quality of life and their interacting with their patients, not just in the UK, but in the United States as well. Very encouraging to anybody who was assessing quality of life in patients. I think it is important. I think for people that are involved in trials, clinicians that are involved in trials, 
trying to get high quality data, avoid missing data from quality of life assessments is very important so that we can get robust results really. I think it is worthwhile and I think it will become more important in the future as well. Do you have a sense or do you talk to any of your colleagues in an international arena? Are your results peculiar to the UK or do you see much of this research going on elsewhere? synchronization trial that I was involved with was actually right across Europe and there was a similar trial ongoing in the US at the same time and they also were assessing quality of life. I think certainly in chronic disease setting it's, it's not peculiar to the UK that you know that people are assessing quality of life. The National Institute of uh, Clinical Excellence in the UK that does routinely use quality of life as a measure of, in part of its cost effectiveness analysis. I'm not so sure about how it's used for reimbursement within the US, for example, but I guess that it will be important. I know that the FDA recently published draft guidance on the use of patient reported outcomes in licensing and labelling. Um, so obviously it's increasingly recognised, I think, internationally, really. Well, I want to thank Dr. Melanie Calvert for being our guest. We've been talking about health-related quality of life, teaching it and using it. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn. You've been listening to a special series exploring health education on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thanks for listening.